So, Luis, uh, I have a question for you. Dime, Brenda, tell me. Have you reached your full potential? What are we talking about? Leadership, um, facing your fears, just becoming a bigger person. You know, I think I have, but I would like to reach my real full potential. Oh, okay. Well, great. Well, there's an opportunity for you to do that. It is called the Love Me Retreat. Oh, really? Yes, 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 yes. And for uh, a very, very small investment, you can spend a a full day retreat with a life coach, Liz Garcia. A life coach, and she will give you the tools you need so that you can become a better person and break through barriers and be your highest self. Well, I love me some retreating. Okay, great. Well, did you know that the listeners of the Tamarindo podcast get 50% off the Love Me Retreat? Oh, I didn't know that. So give me the 411 on this Love Me Retreat. Well, the Love Me Retreat is a one-day retreat where you get to love yourself, strengthen your relationship with you, and work through the junk that has been holding you down. And the cool thing is that that's, uh, there's one for women and there's one for men. So the Women's Love Me Retreat is on Saturday, July 16th, 2016. And the one for men is on August 20th, 2016. And these are from 9 to 4 p.m. And like I said, the listeners of the Tamarindo podcast get 50% off. So it's already, I have to say that for, for a, a full day retreat, the price is already very affordable. But we're giving you 50% off. Sign me up. Fantastic. Well, the way you sign up is I'll give you a special link and you can find this special link. We will put it on our Facebook page. We will tweet it. You can email us at tamarindopodcast at gmail.com and we can send it to you. And I really hope that you take advantage of this. So again, the dates are July 20th, I'm sorry, July 16th for women and August 20th for men, 9 to 4, the Love Me Retreat with Life Coach Liz Garcia. Podcast para ti y para mí. Tamarindo Podcast is your hosts, Luis Octavio and Brenda Gonzalez. And we are your socially conscious talk show with a Latino vibe. We are amigos talking politics, food, music, and life. Welcome! All right. Well, well, welcome back for another episode of the Tamarindo Podcast. Um, I hope you all tuned in to our very special episode uh, last time. Uh, this is sort of a continuation of, uh, of that. We have some great guests later on today to talk about a wonderful movie called The L.A. A Queer Story and, and other um, exciting things. Um, and as we shared in the last episode, we had these we recorded these conversations actually pre Orlando. Um, but I think it's very important that we still Talk about these conversations. We know we just had Pride Month and a lot of Pride activities. So you're you're going to uh, enjoy our guests that are going to talk about different aspects of Pride and some um, very cool ways to celebrate um, being out yes. in uh, in in Los Angeles in downtown LA. Actually, so we'll have those guests shortly. But before we get into that, Luis, qué pasa? How are you? I'm doing. You know, I'm I'm doing better. Definitely. Um, 
dude, this week has been crazy at work, like, you know, with everything going on. And then also we're planning for uh, a particular client where we're putting some some um, things together for them. They want to be a part of the Dia de los Muertos. And I feel like everybody's jumping on this freaking bandwagon now, you know, the Dia de los Muertos, when it really... It's been going on forever, right? But um, so I, my coworkers, they're designing a T-shirt for one of our clients, and they, of course, pulled me in to give them my thoughts. To be about the resident it. Latino commentator. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, uh-huh. <laughs> and these guys showed me a picture of what looked like La Virgen de Guadalupe. Oh my gosh! And I, I wait a I, minute. Wait, so. And Dia de los Muertos? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Can yeah. you describe this a little further? Uh, well, I'm trying to see what I can describe without getting <laughs> into well, trouble. Well, suffice it but to say it was offensive and you It was offensive. It, it was offensive. And I said, you know what, you guys, you guys need to remove this and this and that because this looks like the Virgin Mary. <laughs> and you, this brand is not even a Latino brand. So step away, basically. Wait, um, while we're kind of sort of on the theme of uh, Dia de los Muertos, I do want to take a minute to, to share a very quick commercial for one of our friends, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a friend. Uh, we all have a friend in front of the podcast. Uh, David Gruber is his name. And he has a business called The Undead. And theundead.com, and, and it's a great name, and it's not about Dia de los Muertos, but it is about making sure you don't have loved ones that become dead. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let me tell you what it is. <laughs> so he is a, um, an expert in CPR training. And uh, you can go to theundead.com and you can access his services in case you ever need to be CPR trained. For example, a lot of um, lifeguards, a lot of teachers, a a lot of uh, places where you're going to be with children, where you're going to be near water, uh, sometimes group homes, senior citizen places. There's a lot of places where you need to make sure that people are undead. And uh, (laughs) you can can find out how to do that. So uh, I will will show you more information about that uh, in our show, show notes. I think if, <laughs> if I, 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 th- I think if I were to take that class, I'd still freak out. So you'd still be dead with me around. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well. What about uh, you? What's going on with what's you? What's new with me? Yeah. You know, just I'll keep it brief. I, I know we're settling into our new place, uh, enjoying the summer. It is hot. Enjoying a window. Yeah, and it's hot, and uh, we're gonna tell you how we keep cool. Oh my god. It's really hot. Yes, me estoy derritiendo. Yes, it's uh, hace frida calor. <laughs> Get it? Get it? Yes, I, I, I stole that from pocho.com. But listen, the way that I'm staying cool this summer is with a cold beer. And then what should I add to my beer to make it perfect? Well, I know what you should add. What should I add? You should add some I love michelada mix. Fantastic. And where can I get this? You can go online to figure out their nearest location. Or you can go and ask your grocery store to carry it because everybody should carry it. I love it. Okay, so I'm going to pour my I love michelada into my beer. Oh, my God. Perfect. Salud. Salud. All right, now you know how we keep cool in the summer. Okay, so uh, why don't we just get started and, and, and go right into our guests, our, our interviewing. And remember, friends, that we record the Tamarindo podcast. It's a very do-it-yourself podcast, and we, we record. We, we're lucky that we do it in a studio, but we also have neighbors ne- next door that practice. So in this particular interview, uh, there's a lot of background band music. 
Please disregard. And in fact, you can help us avoid stuff like that because we're gonna we're gonna share in our channels and our all our social media and all that a GoFundMe. We are accepting donations only Please. because people have offered. People are like, Can I can I donate to you? And you know what? Yes, you can, because there's things that we would like to do, like get another a travel microphone so that we can yes. go out and interview folks on the on the street. Go to Valle de Guadalupe. Yes, go yeah, go to go give you like a this is how you survive Tijuana tour. Anyways, for so please Donate to the Tamarindo GoFundMe, which we'll share. And I'm kind of hungry and I want some tacos. Yeah. <laughs> Go fund my tacos, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, let's get started with our interview. Some special guests here today. Woohoo! A ver, ¿quién es? Uh, we have Gregorio Davila. Hi, say hi. Hello. And then we have Richard Corral. Hi, everybody. And they're here to tell us about a really exciting, a couple of exciting projects. So thank you very much for stopping by Tamarindo Podcast. Thanks for having me. Of course, anytime, Brenda. Yeah, thank you so much. So tell us a lot about what you guys are going to share with us today. So uh, <laughs> this is Richard here, and I'm really excited to talk about. Uh, a few projects, and uh, I'm going to start with uh, a documentary film that I am the executive producer on. Uh, it's a film uh, that I've been involved with now for uh, a few years, and it's called L.A. A Queer History. It's a documentary film uh, that is in post-production right now, and um, I'll get into a little bit more about that in, in a second, but uh, it's been an, an amazing experience to um, executive produce a film. It's, I've never done it before. It's the first time. Wow, so it's your first wow. time. It's our first time doing a, a, a podcast. Yeah, so a lot of firsts in this room. Okay. <laughs> a lot of virgins, but you know what? We, <laughs> we, we do our best to uh, to change that, right? Yes. Uh, one virgin at a time. <laughs> I like that. One virgin at a time. One virgin, <laughs> one virgin at a time. <laughs> and uh, it's been an amazing experience. I feel very, um, feel very honored to be able to even be able to, uh, to step into that role and to learn about what filmmaking is and how it works and how really, really challenging it is, especially from sort of the logistics and production side. And um, I also obviously am uh, really happy to be working with uh, the director and the writer uh, of the film, uh, Gregorio, and I want him to share a little bit about his experience as well. Hey, Gregorio, what's, what's up? Hey, uh, well, <clears throat> uh, first of all, uh, this film came to me in an idea about four years ago when I, I'm a huge history fan, a huge documentary buff, and um, I started reading about a lot of the gay, queer, LGBT, whatever you want to call it, history of Los Angeles and how um, incredible it was. You know, we all know what happened in Stonewall. We've all right. heard of Harvey Milk and all of that, but um, what we would call the heart of the gay civil rights movement and even gay culture that we know it today started in Los Angeles. Wow, I didn't know that. And I didn't know that either. Yeah, well, that's why I'm making this movie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's um, that's just I sort of became obsessed with it, and I, I did almost two years of research before I even started shooting the film, and. Um, you know, we've shot about almost 40 interviews uh, with all kinds of different people from activists to artists, uh, writers, uh, also people that were just around back in the day um, and were done with production. 
and we just need um, uh, some finishing funds to finish uh, post-production, and we guess we will talk about that a little later, but... Um, and uh, yeah, cut to four years later, and, and here we are. So wow, so four years—it's literally taken you four years, two years of research. I didn't know that LA was at the forefront. So, what can you tell us without really giving too much of the film? Like, sure. Well, uh, when I first started doing the research and I had the idea for this film, I mean, we were going to literally go back to like the Native American times. That was how oh, wow. how much history there is here. Um, you know, with the two spirits and all of those um, that were a huge part of the Native American culture. But um, that would have been like an eight-hour film. Yeah. So <laughs> we cut it down to the past about 100 years. So it starts wow, at the it's turn. Still very yeah. rich history. Started at the turn of the 20th century. And uh, we go into, you know, there's male and female impersonators who are huge at that time in the 1920s yeah even before that oh, and then wow. you know a lot of them transitioned in the film one in particular was Julian Altinge who actually lived what was called Edendale at the time now it's called Echo Park <laughs> um, and now we go into Hollywood um, and how Hollywood people in the Hollywood business gays and lesbians shaped what Hollywood is because there would not be the glamour of Hollywood if it was not for gays and lesbians. At all. And, uh, <laughs> you know, who do you think designed Joan Crawford's gowns and, and you know, did her makeup yeah. and did her hair and, and, and did the sets? I mean, what we know is Hollywood glamour would not exist if it wasn't for the gay and lesbians, you know, LGBT people. So, you know, and it goes all the way until... Um, the civil rights era there's a cr wide wide criminalization the middle of the century then you know we started to find our voice uh civil rights with the one of the f the first long-standing gay civil rights organization started in los angeles in 1950 by a man called harry hay and it was called the Madishine society and that started also in echo park in the hills of echo park oh wow uh, you know that area back then was there was a lot of communists in that area and a lot of free thinkers and bohemians and all that and uh um you know the first gay magazine started here one magazine in 1953 uh the first gay church the metropolitan community church started here in what? 1968 uh it just goes on and on like speaking of first that we were yeah. talking about earlier i mean why that's... do you think that um the la story hasn't been shared this prominently before Oh, Richard's got an answer for this one. Yeah, you know what, Brenda? This is actually um, something that's kind of near and dear to my heart is that, um, you know, San Francisco and New York, right? Yeah. When we think of those two cities, we really think of them as sort of the genesis of um, not only uh, high points, right, in the LGBT movement, but we really consider them to be sort of the forefathers and sisters of the national yeah, LGBT. The pioneers, yeah. uh, the pioneers. But in fact... Uh, it's not the case. And so just as Gregorio was talking about, you know, the um, the first gay positive magazine um, and first gay societies and, and first churches. And, of course, um, the first uh, gay pride parade and festival uh, was actually here in Los Angeles. And, of course, we even get up to the to the current era, which is um, some of the litigants in the Prop 8 case. They actually are um, come from from Los Angeles. And so your question is, well, why hasn't that? Um, ever been presented 
and uh, showcased in the way that San Francisco and New York has showcased, you know, their proud LGBT history. And, and frankly, uh, a couple reasons, and, and Gregorio can, can comment on this, but I feel like, you know, a lot of Los Angeles is an interesting place, right? Mm-hmm. On one hand, it's presented as being very sort of liberal and free thinking, but also because of the industries that we have here, particularly Hollywood, there is a very conservative aspect also about Los Angeles, particularly because Los Angeles is asked to often present images nationally. It's it's asked to present culture nationally. It's asked to set trends nationally that are lucrative, that that the mass consumption that the consumers of America will purchase and will buy into. And so to to be out and vocal about the fact that all of these amazing firsts are coming from Los Angeles and having that come through the media, well, it begins to put some questionable light around what's really happening in Los Angeles and what are those people really doing there? And is Los Angeles really the best place for us to be uh, to, to be the uh, kind of architect of American culture and be promoting it in such a way? So I have thought about this before and I thought, I think it, it sadly, I think it has a lot to do with business. I think it has a lot, lot to do with sort of the business thinkers and leaders of Los Angeles, not necessarily wanting to be like, hey, yeah, we are actually, guess what? The forerunners of many, 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 many firsts of the LGBT movement. And that's just my two cents. That's my wow. sort of cultural historical analysis. So as you're as you're talking about this, I'm thinking in my head, like, that makes total sense. I mean, I used to work in the entertainment industry, which is, you know, has a lot of, you know, LGBTQ. But for some reason, I always felt, you know, not empowered enough to come out because you're absolutely right. There is an image that people want to portray, one, and two, it's money. It's about money, right? So up until right now, a couple minutes ago, I thought the first LGBT pride and the first parade was in New York. And so this is so eye-opening. I can't wait for this documentary. And not to mention the first uh, sort of civil disobedience and most people think of Stonewall but there was actually and I'll let Gregorio talk about this there was actually a organized protest against police brutality brutality um, against the community so let's uh... oh yeah um, it it happened um, three years two two years before Stonewall uh, the black cat on sunset near the junction it's now been renamed the black cat in honor of of that event and that history. But um, it happened on New Year's Eve, 66 to 67. There was a raid and they beat a lot of people, put some people in the hospital. And um, it took them a month to organize that, just just to protest it. It was a month after the event before they even could get people together to do it. And they, they were so terrified. They were handing out leaflets. And if they handed them out and they saw somebody walk down the street and threw it on the sidewalk, they would run over and pick it up because they didn't want to give the police any reason to hassle them. Wow. And even that, for littering. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so the reason I think that that didn't get a lot of publicity was, one, because nobody was reporting on anything gay at the time. And two, because people don't walk in L.A. the way they did in New York. On Stonewall, people were walking around and they saw a ruckus going on. And they just, that's why there were so many people that just eventually gathered because people were walking by and you could see it. But people, you know, we, we don't really have that in LA. Right. Um, and another reason why I think that we didn't get a lot of publicity for a lot of things that happened in LA prior to Stonewall 
was because the LAPD was so notoriously horrible to our community that people were terrified to be out. They would lose their jobs. They would get arrested. A lot of people committed suicide because, you know, they lost, many of them were married. They lost their families. Uh, If you were, you know, outed for being gay, you would lose any license that you had, whether it was teaching uh, hair, anything. Wow. So, I mean, it was just a, a very oppressive time. So now that you're mentioning this, I'm curious to know, where did you find all this information? Uh, where, where, where did you even begin? Well, my first thing, I read an article about the black cat, and then that sparked everything. And to be fair, I read a lot, a lot of books. I mean, there were a lot of people like Lillian Faderman and Stuart Timmons who wrote Gay L.A., which is probably the seminal book of gay history in Los Angeles. I mean, they really did the work for me. I used that as a resource, and I read a lot of articles as well. I did a lot of research outside of that, but, I mean, to be fair, they really did all the research, and I was sort of, like, combining it into a story that um, that I want to tell. So it's out there. Um, it's just not at the forefront of what we know as gay history, unfortunately. It just, you know, there's Stonewall and there's, you know, people like Harvey Milk, and that's about it that we know. Well, um, we're, we're really excited about the project. Can you tell us a little bit more about some of the actors that are involved and, and the other talents that's helping make this uh, dream a reality? Sure. Um, <laughs> well, we were lucky enough to get... Um, grab the through some of our connections some of our producers the ear and the eye of some really good um, Hollywood talent um, and they've offered their time and their talent to come in and do some voiceover work for the film because we're having several different voiceovers from different characters um, throughout the film as many documentaries do um, we've got Rosario Dawson has done some work um, Got some care, some people from Sons of Anarchy, Mark Boone Jr., Drea DeMatteo, who was also in The Sopranos. Yeah. Cool. Um, Daniel Franzisi from Looking and Mean Girls. Oh, uh, I, lo- I love, I love, yeah. I love his character on yeah. Looking. And look, yeah, and wow, just last week, which was the highlight of this whole experience, we had uh, Steve Buscemi. Oh, come very cool. Meet us nice. in, in, in Hollywood, and he did some really amazing voiceover work. I and, bet. And yeah, so just to be at the point I was four years ago where I had this idea of this film, I had no idea how I was going to do it to this point of having Steve Buscemi on my film doing work is totally like mind blowing to me. It's, I feel so fortunate. So, what, um, what is the name of the, of the film and when is it going to come out? And <laughs> when is it going to come out? No. <laughs> no pun intended. But uh, when can we expect to see more? So the name of the film I had mentioned earlier is um, L.A. Queer History. And uh, you can also the, check it out online at laaqueerhistory.com. Uh, um, we have been working on this film, as Gregorio has said, in various stages for the past four years. And the exciting news is that we are uh, reaching a culmination of the filmmaking process. And we, we have a goal. We're, we're really trying our best to try to submit this uh, to Sundance. And uh, as a result, 
We are in the process of fundraising some final, uh, a, a specific amount of funding in order to do things like color correction, um, some audio mixing, um, some basic uh, p- post-production typical activities uh, that need to be done. And we're in the process of, 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 of doing some fundraising, particularly engaging um, some of the celebrities who have donated their time and their voices to the film. Also, we uh, do have a donation page at the website LA Queer History. Uh, dot com and um, also we're really kind of excited and beginning to think about what the uh, sort of private and public premieres of this really important movie will look like um, it does kind of dovetail into a topic that we'll be talking about later on which is a DTLA Proud Festival there's some opportunities there to um, share snippets of the film. So we're really doing our best to try to find um, meaningful opportunities to share the film, to engage people, and also to raise this last bit of funding in order to complete the film uh, before the Sundance submission deadline. You are, so when is that deadline So for our folks to keep in mind? Sure. The deadline is the end of September. Okay. Um, so uh, we're trying to get as much money as we can i'm editing it so that part's taken care of we just need some you know artists to go in to do the sound mixing and all of that and again if you want to help you can go to the website it's just the name of the film.com it's www.laaqueerhistory.com Wow, so. that sounds great. I hope that a lot of our, our listeners will check you out. I know that the, what you're calling your trailer is out on there now, and it's, it just like looks like a phenomenal piece of history that we all should know. It definitely does sound like that. I mean, just here sitting with you guys, I've learned so much and things that I think are really important, especially for you know our, our, our comunidad, right? So perfect. Well, um, we always like to end our conversations with folks uh, with a couple questions that we ask all of our uh, all of our guests. And I and I understand that you all have been listening to the podcast and have maybe been practicing, so that's great. <laughs> so uh, we'll start out with the easy question, which is, what is what is you know Latinos have the best snack. So what is your favorite snack? What is your go to snack? So um, I have two. I know that's cheating a little bit, yeah. but you know, <laughs> since uh, it's about food, you know, sometimes we can uh, cheat a little bit. Yeah. Uh, one of my one of my favorites is a little bit odd, uh, but it, it's really good, and I, I promise you, it's really good. So it's uh, cottage cheese, Fritos. And uh, and uh, paste picante or uh, basically salsa fresh pico de gallo or tapatio. Wow. And, uh, wow. It's really, really good. So you've got the salty crunch. Uh-huh. right? Then you've got the, the cottage cheese, which is obviously that. Kind but refreshing then, and, and then cool. Refreshing and cool. And mm-hmm. then you've got the spicy all mixed together. What? I would try it. Yeah. It's yeah. Something, it's something Producer my, Jeff loves cottage cheese. Oh, so I, he love, I love cottage cheese. It's really, really, really good. And it's something my mom used to eat all the time. And when I was little, I thought it was really gross. <laughs> Oh, we got, we got well, a friend we coming a, in. We got a special guest. Yeah. 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 Come sit over here. Come, sit come join the conversation. Yeah. So everybody, listeners, we yeah. have our friend Ryan. Ryan and Rosa just walked in. Yeah, perfect timing. Perfect timing. We're talking about our uh, our favorite snacks, and so 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 that's one of my my favorites. It's it's I got to give props to my mom, and then the <laughs> the second one. It's very typical, but it's also very Mexican. Is <clears throat> I love palomitos with tapatio. I love. Oh, it. Man, I, I 
Yeah. Yo también. Yeah. That, yes. With Sal with, con Sal y Limón. Sí. Oh, it, yeah. yeah, that one for, for days. Yeah. yeah. For, for, yeah. I, lo I love that night, one. All night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're talking about our, our favorite snacks or... Should we? Um... Yeah, why don't we? We'll do this quick, the snack segment, and then we'll switch to asking uh, Ryan about the uh, the upcoming festival because we do want to hear about that too. So, Ryan, what's your favorite snack? And then we'll ask Gregoro his favorite oh, snack. Oh, geez, what's my favorite snack? Uh, I love, uh, of course, the classic peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, right? Um, but uh, you know, sometimes I'm okay with getting some uh, some bologna and frying it up. What? Putting it in a tortilla with some sour cream, and you know, we're good you guys to go. have some interesting snacks. <laughs> <laughs> kind of ghetto, but kind of delicious. <laughs> That's kind of like our show. <laughs> you know what that sounds like? Uh, we should call it fritangueros. Yeah, that, that sounds good. <laughs> okay, Gregorio, what's your favorite snack? Well, I don't know if anyone else did this, but this was because <laughs> we were really poor growing up. So we would get uh, a tortilla, flour tortilla, smear butter on it. Put it in the oven and bake it, and then put cinnamon on top of it and eat yep. it. <laughs> yeah, I, can, I totally yeah. can relate. Cinnamon. I did that too. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, I great. still do that. Yeah. So that a, a lovely snack segment. So we want to. Now that Ryan's here, we did want to. We learned all about the LA a queer story. We're really excited about the project. Uh, now we do want to know about the upcoming festival because um this this show will air around pride maybe probably after la pride regular la pride but there's more places to celebrate can you tell us a little bit more about this well yeah in fact i would even i, I hate to correct you i would hate to correct you but oh, do, please do. Uh, you know I, I like to refer to the one next weekend as west hollywood pride um and that's kind of the whole point of having uh, a celebration in the heart of the city uh, the historic heart and well, i say historic but really also the future heart of uh, of la um and so that's why i think you know that's one of the the premises one of the one of the one of the reasons it's so important to, to, to kind of have a, a Pride Festival in downtown L.A. Um, because it, it really is kind of the confluence of, of, of culture, ethnicities, ideas. Uh, and so, it's not, you know, we want to let people know it's not all about West Hollywood. Yeah, and I think, I mean, can you tell our listeners uh, that maybe are not local to L.A. how um, downtown L.A. has really been changing lately and the, the very vibrant gay scene? Yeah, well, I can tell you the, the, the first sign is that I, I really I actually kind of miss the days when you, you would be able to find street parking in downtown L.A. Uh, those days are long gone. Um, and uh, but, you know, it, it's, it's a good thing. Jeez, uh, I remember when I first came out uh, back in the, in the mid 90s. Uh, you know, actually, some of the some of the pioneers in, in in downtown before you know the quote unquote renaissance of downtown like kind of kicked off uh, were a lot of it was was the LGBT community. Uh, you know, we would go and party in some of these lofts, these warehouses, and no one knew we were there. Um, and uh, and so uh, <clears throat> you know that was that was mid to late nineties. You know, kind of fast forward to today where you know, there's a thriving bar and restaurant scene. Uh, there's a, a thriving arts scene in downtown. Uh, it's really exciting to see. Um, and, but it was really exciting also is that uh, we haven't lost the LGBT spirit in downtown. In fact, I would say it's actually blossoming even more. Okay, so earlier, Gregorio, you, you mentioned uh, Mattachines. And there's a bar in downtown LA that's very popular with the, by the same name. 
Right. The owner, uh, Garrett, actually, you know, he specifically named it Mattachine. Bar Mattachine as homage to the Mattachine Society, which was started by Harry Hay in 1950. And um, actually, just to talk about the festival, I think it's really cool and it's really fitting that they're having it in um, Pershing Square. Because back in the day, Pershing Square was a huge cruising spot for gay men. Ah. Before they before they put all this ugly concrete over it, it was a huge, lush, like jungly, like. Well, how far is back in the day for you? <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm not that old, but. Um, but back in the, it was like a huge. It, was, it wasn't just a cruising spot where they would go there and meet, you know, because there was no gay bars, there was nowhere to go. Um, but at night, you know, things like happened, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> but just to be, just to make sure, um, you know, that we are explicit. There is, and, and Ryan had mentioned this. There is, you know, a festival that's happening in downtown Los Angeles. It's called a DTLA Proud Festival. It's happening the first Sunday in August, um, and. Uh, again, to, to reference what Ryan was talking about, we really feel that it is um, not only uh, paying homage to what has happened in the past and some of the things that uh, Gregorio has t- spoken about, it also is significant in terms of place and the historical significance of downtown, but it, it, it's also significant in the sense that, you know, downtown Los Angeles is downtown Los Angeles. It is the place where the city uh, was founded, right? It's a place where the city emanates from, and some of its uh, first suburbs are neighborhoods that surround uh, the downtown area. It's also a place where many of the uh, LGBT community, again, back in the, the 70s, 80s, and 90s, used to congregate. And only recently, in the past you know, uh, five years with the renaissance of of downtown Los Angeles, now there are multiple places, uh, particularly bars, that are also bringing breathing new life into the community, the LGBT community in downtown. And it was actually the bars that initially had spearheaded uh, the initial planning of the DTLA Proud Festival. And I was um, engaged and, and outreached by uh, Oliver Alpuche. And he's one of the owners of uh, Redline Bar downtown. And he, he mentioned that he was very excited because the the barners had come together, had um, had an initial vision, but he was smart in knowing that the community was essential in order to make uh, the vision a reality. So he outreached to myself and said, "Richard, can, you know, can you please um, engage some of the local community members here in downtown from multiple different groups, uh, especially the trans community as well as um, some of the ethnic communities of of um, across Los Angeles, and make sure that they are present." In the beginning, not as an afterthought, not as a, a, a token, uh, not as something that uh, should be, um, uh, you know, included, but something that should be at the table uh, from the beginning. And really thinking about um, what does not only the downtown L.A. community look like, but what does the downtown LGBT community look like? And that is a, that is a, that is an important distinction. Wow, that is so great. Uh, chickity boom to you guys to, for this. Because I, you know, I was just going to say um, that the West Hollywood, you know, Pride event, just I, me as a Latino gay or, you know, part of the LGBTQ, I feel like the Latino area is almost like an afterthought, you know, and I just feel like it's like, like a margarita at a bar, you know, it, it's there, but it's, that's it, you know, so 
I think that you guys bringing in all of the different community and, and uh, to spearhead from the very beginning, I think is really important. So already I'm super excited about this event. Ryan, tell us a little bit more about it. Well, so, you know, it, it's uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that it's uh, the event has really kind of gained steam uh, in the uh, aftermath um, of some of the protests against the Christopher West, um, you know, Hollywood. the West Hollywood uh, Pride Festival. There were significant concerns about how inclusive uh, the um, organizing committee is. There's concerns about how they uh, about failure to reach out to a variety of nonprofits and other community community organizations throughout greater LA uh, there were concerns about um, you know their their emphasis or lack thereof of uh, the trans community um, and you know I can go on and on and so there was there was significant uh, there was a significant outcry and and actually this kind of really you know, the the down the downtown uh, the DTLA proud festival which was kind of already um, the, the 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 organization of it was already afoot um, it just was. It was. A, it was a good marriage because uh, um, I think in terms of timing and in terms of just just folks who are from or, or near the downtown LA area who kind of felt this was this was the right time. Um, but I should note that I don't think that the uh, DTLA Proud Festival should be seen as kind of a uh, a protest or some it's sort of. It's not a response. Specific response to 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 West Hollywood. I think it's just more kind of a response to uh, the the the. The, the changing nature of, of L.A., you know? And to give, kind of piggy off, back off of Ryan, it, it's, you know, everything happens for a reason, right? And the timing, um, I think, was matched nicely with the need and the demand, right? And it just so happened that sort of the backlash against uh, what we now call West Hollywood Pride, um, it, it's no coincidence that uh, the need, the desire, uh, the organizing, the interest also happened simultaneously in downtown. Definitely not a reaction or response to, but definitely filling an important need. And how can folks get, get involved at this point? So we, we're going to release this recording in June. So And this festival still, we've got some time. So what are some ways that the community could get involved at this point? Brenda, that's, that's, a, that's a great question. Just to let you know, um, the uh, planning and community engagement piece is really hot off the presses. It's just barely... Uh, gotten off the ground. We're only really in, in our second week. As a matter of fact, um, tomorrow and every Tuesday from 7 to 9 p.m., uh, the community is holding sessions to help plan the event. And already there have been a myriad of different uh, committees that have been created um, for uh, in order to inform the programming, the outreach, uh, the marketing, uh, some of the uh, the different performances and even some of the activities of the day. There's already been committees put together, and those committees are still open. That's one of the really, what I think, innovative and forward-thinking aspects about this particular event is that from the beginning, not as a reaction, not as a response to, but from the beginning, uh, the, the planners really are... I think cognizant of the fact that nobody knows everything. Nobody owns or fully represents the LGBT community. But the way that we can be truly representative is if we are inclusive. So the committees are open um, Tuesday, 7 to 9 p.m. Uh, you can actually go on the there's now a Facebook page, DTLA Proud Festival. You could sign up and ask if you want to be part of the planning committees, and we'll definitely plug you in. There's also a listserv. And we, what, what's nice is that we rotate the meetings around different locations throughout downtown so that um, different individuals and organizations 
organizations can feel um, sort of the responsibility and the pride of hosting the committees, helping to organize, and really facilitating that important input to ensure that it is an inclusive and uh, reflective event of our diversity of our community. That is so great. That is, honestly, it, to be included, to be, that makes, that is what makes you feel be a part of this event. Very exciting. And now, um, I know that we were very lucky to just have Ryan walk in and we didn't really introduce you. So tell us, Ryan, what, what is your specific role um, with, this, with this project? Or maybe both projects. Are you involved with the film at all? Um, well, no, not involved in the film. Definitely a, um, a, a, a fan. Uh, and I've been fortunate enough to kind of see uh, it organically kind of grow. Um, and so, uh, you know, definitely a huge fan and excited about it. Um, with respect to the event, again, just also participating in the, uh, in the, uh, the planning uh, um, uh, events and, and happy to to uh, you know, provide any kind of resources, uh, some of the ideas I have. I mean, I'll be honest. One of the things I, I miss a lot uh, during the kind of the summer uh, kind of slew of of events is uh, I don't know if you remember um, Brenda the uh, Sunset Street Junction that they used to have in Silver Lake, and so you know, part of me kind of. Real, realizes that that was of a certain time and of a certain place and you know it's probably not a good idea to expect that we'll ever kind of you know have that um, uh, ever again but I you know this idea of, of, a, of a community street festival definitely it makes me very excited very cool and just as a reminder to all of our listeners as you know we have a lot of neighbors that rehearse so if you hear some rocking out at least they sound really good. <laughs> I, I, I think that they're actually might be celebrating uh, the fact that for the first time in almost two centuries, we have a female nominee of a major yes, Democratic Party. Yes, and also a reminder to our, our uh, listeners, this will air later, but this is on the eve of election night here in California. And uh, to share a little bit more about who's in the room with us at the Tamarindo podcast, these folks I know uh, because we're all very politically active and we're involved in a lot of different projects. I know Richard Corral because he and I both are on the on the board of Honor Pack, and Ryan is not a current board member, but he knows a lot about the history as well. These are both movers and shakers of of. Um, and let me tell you what Honor Pack is. So Honor Pack, what we do is we actually raise money to give um, to progressive Latino LGBTQ candidates that will support a, a platform that advances opportunities for both Latinos and LGBTQ people. And I should add, Richard, uh, one of our favorite people on, uh, on the Tamarindo podcast is Bao Wen, who, as uh, our listeners um, have been introduced to, is the first gay mayor of Garden Grove. And he's just fabulous. We love him. Go Bao. And we hope, so this is, again, this is the eve of the election night. Hopefully by the time this airs, Bao is on his way to be the Democratic uh, nominee uh, for this. Uh, he's running for Congress. We really, really hope he, he makes it. But tell us a little bit about, about Honor Pack, Richard. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Honor Pack is uh, approaching its uh, 10-year anniversary. I cannot believe it's actually been around uh, for this long. I'm, I'm very proud of uh, that fact. It actually was started by a, a group of, of friends of ours, mutual friends, uh, including my, my compa, Javier Angulo. And it was actually started around, uh, you know, a dining room table, literally, and around conversations around um, not only the political ambitions of some of our friends, but also um, strategically thinking 
thinking about how we could support uh, the political ambitions of our larger community and really empowering individuals who not only supported us, but were also from our community and the issues that our community faces. And so um, from those sort of dining room, kitchen table conversations came the idea of, hey, you know what? We need a PAC that can um, speak, our voice can speak financially, right, with money. Because in politics in the United States, for better or for worse, money equals power. And so to that end, we really want, or the, the founders wanted to um, put their money where their mouth is and began to uh, raise money and build a board. And the organization has gone through several leadership changes. Um, but what I, I'm proud to say is that since I've come on board in, uh, in August, I've, I've actually been a supporter since the very beginning. I think I actually went to the organization's very first fundraiser again almost 10 years ago. I'm proud to now uh, be a board member. And I feel like the, the organization now is going through a bit of a renaissance in the sense that the individuals that are now on the board, um, the number of board members, um, the volume of issues and candidates that are now being uh, endorsed by Honor Pack. It's, it's a very, very exciting time. And um, if anybody wants to know more about the organization, they can visit uh, honorpack.org. You can see the recent uh, uh, slate of candidates uh, that have been endorsed by Honor Pack. Also, um, we're about to put, uh, get ready to endorse again for the, for the general election. Um, that includes candidates that are local, running for everything from uh, assembly, uh, Congress, even local races. And just to to be clear, we are, we're not a federal PAC, but we are able to um, endorse candidates verbally. Right. We're just not we able to... Endorse uh, Bow. We didn't give him any money. Exactly, <laughs> but we're not able to um, give them the money uh, for, for federal uh, candidates. But but still, and yet, we're able to to weigh in with a uh, with a verbal... Uh, uh, with an endorsement. So, uh, it's very exciting. Okay, while we're on the subject of politics, because Ryan is here, and so one of the ways that I... I, I really love Ryan. He's awesome. But what I absolutely am thrilled to read is his political commentary. So, like we said, this is the eve of election night. Um, We're pretty much 99.9% sure that Hillary is probably going to take it. But I would love to hear, Ryan, what is your take on on this election, this presidential election? Ooh, that is a big question. (laughs) I mean, it's been the most turbulent cycle I have witnessed in my lifetime. Um, I've seen landslides by Reagan over Mondale. I've seen elections stolen uh, by Bush from Gore. You know, I've seen, uh, I, you know, I, I've seen the first, you know, African-American president getting elected. And, you know, this cycle ranks right up there. Um, you know, uh, I, uh, I have to pr- uh, confess that I, I come from, you know, pretty staunch Democratic family. Uh, on my father's side, uh, they consider themselves the FDR Democrats. And on my mother's side, they consider themselves the Viva Kennedy, the JFK uh, Democrats. And, um, you know, uh, I, I'll always remember back in 1990, I think it was 1991, uh, I was uh, I was still in, in high school and I had never actually seen a Democrat win the presidency, <laughs> at least not, you know, not as, an, as, a, as you know, uh, um, you know, consciously. And uh, and I remember my father had gone out to, to Baldwin Park to go watch this uh, this governor from Arkansas, you know, at a rally, and he came home and said, you know, Mijo, uh, that's going to be the next president. And uh, I, I think a lot of folks um, <clears throat> who might be uh, younger than me, I know there's been a big kind of divide between, you know, based on age during this cycle. Um, you know, it's interesting when you talk about generations, because for me, uh, 
the uh, a lot. Of, uh, I, I try to remind folks that for for folks like me, and I think like for Richard, my, you know, uh, that we remember there was a time when Democrats would lose in landslides nationally. I mean, we're talking forty nine out of fifty states that we would lose, and um, you know, the Clintons kind of showed the Democrats how to win again. Uh, now, you know, for for you know, they, they, they've got you know. It, it, their 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 record is interesting. Uh, I wouldn't describe them as far far left. Um, and uh, you know, in the '90s were just a, a very interesting time to you know politically. I mean, you had it started off with the LA riots, uh, and, uh, and 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 ended up with Bush versus Gore. I mean, the '90s were just kind of crazy. And so for me, uh, sitting here in 2016. And, and and seeing you know and and, and seeing you know the whole Hillary versus Bernie and, and the Trump phenomenon, um, you know I have to remind myself constantly that number one, living here in L.A., living in California, I, I acknowledge I live in a bubble, that we all live in a bubble, and that what what works here. Or, or or plays well here in California doesn't necessarily play well nationally, you know? And um, so I have to remind myself of that. I have to remind myself that, uh, you know, that, that, that there is an important generation that's rising, too, and that we have to, we have to give them some respect. Because um, we were there, too, in the 90s. Pete Wilson, I go back to the 90s. 90s were very formative. You know, we were there protesting. Uh, you know, Pete, uh, Governor Pete Wilson, you know, really kind of turned California blue. And, and he was so he riled us all up. So hopefully we'll get the same out of Trump. I hope. Well, yeah. I mean, we're already starting to see that. I mean, you know, I think there's a potential for Arizona to start turning blue. I think there's a potential for Georgia to start turning blue. Again, it's a very turbulent cycle. Um, and honestly, I, I, I can't tell you where we're going to end up in November. I'd like to think that sobriety and and reason uh, will prevail. But then again, I have to remind myself that. State of California elected Arnold Schwarzenegger as governor. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, another thing that our listeners can't see is that we don't we operate without AC, so we're all uh, a melting. So just to, to kind of bring things to a close, uh, what we yes. Oh, and girl, yes, gonna go to you. I just wanted to say something. One more thing about the festival. Yes. Um, uh, I, I was invited to the first meeting by Richard uh, to be part of the advisory community advisory board. Because of the fu- the film that I'm doing, and um, and I guess I'm somewhat of an LA queer history expert, and when you look back at the history of a Pride festivals, it was the reason it happened was because New York called up San Francisco and LA, and they said let's have a, a unified demonstration on the one year anniversary of Stonewall, and so of course they said yes. Um, New York had a celebration. San Francisco had a, had a, I'm sorry, New York had a demonstration. San Francisco had a demonstration. But the uh, people who were organizing it here, Bob Humphreys, Morris Kites, and Reverend Troy Perry, uh, decided they wanted to do things different. This is Los Angeles. We need to, let's have a parade. And so that was how Pride Parade came into play uh, on every June. And we eventually had a festival here, and other other places followed suit. But the point being that that parade was also very political. And I think that where where West Hollywood has 
came now to the point where it's all about money and it's all about, you know, getting Demi Lovato or whoever to perform and they've gone far from what these gay elders had had the point of what this was and even so far to say that they're targeting millennials for this parade that's like a Not slap targeting gays but millennials yeah and that's it's that's like they were trying to make a, a gay version of um what's that Coachella yes a gay Coachella but it was also a slap in the face to the elderly people who actually started the festival and being who the political people they were so I was very very glad that they invited me and maybe to have to have some sort of historical element put into this festival I would love to see that and um, I'm just honored to be a part of it and maybe get the young people um, some insight to who we are and where we come from I and to add to what Gregorio was saying, I kind of feel like it's a slap in the face to millennials to assume that millennials aren't interested in politics, aren't interested in history, aren't. I mean, I, w- I would think that if anything, I are millennials. <laughs> exactly. If anything, we've learned from this current presidential election cycle to show that millennials are very engaged and are very interested in these topics. So to assume that they only want music and nothing else, I think it's a slap in the face to millennials as well. Yeah, I mean, as Brenda mentioned, we are millennials and sí, nos gusta el bailongo, but I also want to know, you know, I want to know uh, what is it that happened prior to me that now I can be free to express myself and not take everything for granted. I want to know. So they're absolutely wrong about thinking that millennials are not interested because we are. Yeah, I, I think it's a it's a hu- huge mistake on the part of uh, uh, Christopher Street West, West Hollywood Pride. Um, because the other thing I, li- I like to remind people is that, <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm 41 uh, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm part of a generation of, of out uh, LGBT folks who, you know, who uh, uh, think, uh, thanks to... to, to to, to the medicines and, 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 and to, you know, community kind of coming together, you know, I'm part of a generation of out, of out folks who, uh, you know, there's a, there's a whole bunch of us, you know, that, that, that did survive, uh, you know, the, the HIV AIDS crisis. And, um, and, and, and so, and so the millennials actually, ha- ha- unlike us, have this huge glut of, you know, aging LGBT folks uh, in a- an aging LGBT community that they could kind of look up to, perhaps, or, or learn from or interact with. And I think that's something that we really felt was lacking in, in sort of our coming of age or coming out process. We didn't really have anybody to emulate, to consult, to guide, to share with us our, the history, because frankly, most of them were either dead or they were dying from from HIV AIDS. So in many ways, we had to sort of come of age and, um, for lack of a better term, parent ourselves through the coming out process. And, and to repeat that history or to assume that it's not needed, I, I think is, is false. Okay, so... Thank you very much. I think those are wonderful tones to, to end this um, conversation because it's a, a positive message. So I want to ask the panel, because now we have a really great panel of, of people. Um, so collectively, we, we, we want to see if the panel can agree on who would be the recipient of your chancla. So we, t- we throw that chancla at a concept, a thing, a person, and um, perhaps, I could be assuming here, but there might be a, a, already a victim of the chancla. Who, who, would, it get, who would get it? Well, I would have to say not one specific person, but just a type of person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would throw the chunkla at people 
today who drive me crazy that are way overly politically correct to the point where they're oppressive to other people. And I don't need to go in further about that. I think you all know what I'm talking about. Does the panel agree or do you guys have different Chancla recipients? So, hey, this is Richard. So, um, just as a little sidebar, I, for those folks who know, I have a very glamorous mother. So, as a little boy, uh, she actually threw tacones. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> yes. So, uh, I would throw the tacon uh, at anybody in this cycle, particularly Latinos, who are not registered or are, are registered and are not voting. For me, that is like... An, uh, there's so many factors that really require us as as a community to step up, to be heard, and uh, not only locally but nationally. I'm sending this out. Na- I'm throwing my tacon nationally all over the United States. Please, please, please vote. Uh, and if you're Latino, please, and you're registered, please vote. Ryan, do you have another one? Oh, geez, uh, you're putting me on the spot. Um, I think uh, I love the idea of the of the uh, the political correctness because I, I I completely agree. Um, if I had to throw a chancla, I would say I would throw it at um, uh, at the owner of the LA Lakers, uh, Jim Buss. He better not blow this uh, this draft coming up because I'm going to be pissed. Uh, so it's it's time to move from uh, project rebuild to uh, actually having a Laker dynasty again. Okay, last question: What would be your telenovela name? And it could be the the name of your character, or it could be the name of your telenovela of your life. So this is Richard. Um, I'm going to cheat a little bit because, uh, you know, Ryan and, uh, had alluded to this, but I'm going to be very explicit about it. You know, I, I grew up, uh, I, I really came out, a big part of my coming out process was I grew up in the club. I grew up in the bar. I really did. And, and it, was, it was a big, it was an important uh, space for me to, to be myself and to, to meet other folks who, who are like me. So uh, one thing that we used to do when we used to go out is sometimes we had our club names, right? And oh so uh, and, and we, we would have our club names because... Because it was sort of like it was like our alter ego, right? And mine was Carlo Madrid. Carlo Madrid. Carlo Madrid. Yes. Hey. Ryan, are you ready with one? Well, I, I'm going to cheat also because I kind of already have one. Um, <laughs> so a lot of my friends. This is even before RuPaul's Drag Race. Uh, a lot of my friends. I just I have this nickname. They call me Miss Alaska. And what? Yeah, Miss Alaska. <laughs> and where and where that comes from? Uh, so we had this. Uh, this well, an annual kind of getaway to Tahoe, a ski, a ski getaway, and uh, and we actually hadn't done it for the past couple of years because of the drought. Um, although this past winter was pretty epic, um, but uh, and so many many years ago, uh, we decided to go on this like hike through the snow, and. You know, I was I was touched by the grace of God, and I just I, I was wrapped in furs and decided to nestle myself under a uh, uh, an, an icicle laden tree, and was just really feeling myself. And and one of our buddies is walking by and says, "Oh my God, Miss Alaska!" And it kind of stuck. So the real Alaska, with the, us. the real Alaska, giving you plenty of shade. That's hilarious. Gregorio, what's yours? Oh god, I wish I had an amazing story like that. <laughs> but I had no, I didn't, I didn't know uh, 
where to get my telenovela name. So I went online and searched how to get your telenovela name. <laughs> and there was actually a generator. It asked you it asked you a bunch of questions and then it gives you, you know, your answer and it came up with Ruby de la Vega Venegas. And there's a subtext that says you are savage. You are a savage driven by ambition and you don't stop till you get what you want, money or men. Show notes, all of the websites that we referenced today. Thank you so much for for popping in at the Tamarindo podcast. Yes, muchas gracias, and thank you for dropping knowledge bombs. And and millennials do want to know. Entacones. Entacones. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Woo. Okay, that was an awesome, very informative session. Yes, definitely. I will definitely go to the uh, downtown LA Proud Festival. Yep, very cool. And we have all the information in our notes. So thank you for listening to another episode of the Tamarindo Podcast. We Muchas did it. gracias. Yes. Don't forget to write us a review, tell a friend, show someone how to listen to a podcast, and ponte un suéter. Nos vemos en el suéter. Bye. Besties and welcome to I Am Besties. I'm Stephanie Ramirez and I'm Vanessa Casares. We're two Latinas coming together to create a space for heart-to-heart chats on everything that matters. From relationship advice to empowering women, exploring spiritual insights and healing trauma, we've got it all covered. We're your go-to besties, sharing personal stories and bringing on inspiring guests for an engaging and entertaining listening experience. I Am Besties, where you'll find laughter, love, and a supportive sisterhood. Join us and be a part of the family. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.